0: Welcome back to a brand new episode of Full Metal RPG. I am your host Adam Sink, staring across from me in his lime green RPG shirt, Richie Buzzkill. <laughs> What's up, Richie Buzzkill?
1: Oh, not much. Just a Sorois original I got to, you know, occasionally wear. Uh, my heart on my chest, so.
0: All right, reppin', uh, reppin severed books. And and RPGs. So. Justin Seroy's TM that RPG brings us to shirt. <laughs> Brendan Carrion, what's up, Brendan? What
2: up? How you guys doing?
0: Doing well. Still here. Still here, still kicking. Sick. We have a very special guest.
2: Ashley from Maverick Alpha.
0: What's going on, Ashley?
3: Not much. Happy to be here.
0: We're happy to have you here. Cool. Well, we're here. We are gathered together to discuss role playing games. So, let's get right into it cuz we have kind of a packed show today.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a big show. But I mean, I really feel like let's just take a second and like let's let's hear from Ashley. What up? Welcome. Hi. So, so introduce yourself to the listeners real quick.
3: All uh, right. Um my name's Ashley. Um Gemini. <laughs> sick. <laughs> yeah, sick. Yeah. Nice um, Gemini
2: vibes in the house.
3: Mm-hmm. Um I am um, from an actual play podcast called Mammary Alpha that you might have heard about on the show. So that's my podcast experience. Um, I really like playing role-playing games. Um, we're going to talk about what we're playing later on. But yeah, so I'm just happy to be here and hang out with you guys
2: and you've yeah. done some happy time dungeon hours that right
3: yeah i do the happy time dungeon hours at the different conventions with these guys
2: sick all right great well super super happy to have you here because we are big mammary alpha fans and we are we're, we're happy to consider ourselves to be memory alpha early adopters and mm-hmm. t-shirt buyers yeah. yeah
3: yep for sure
2: awesome so adam what up what's going on what's going on bro we
3: got
0: not a lot we're gonna we just dig right into what we've been playing here. Dig right into
2: this shit dig right in i what hate those podcasts playing. that do the 15 minutes of ass slapping right. on the front i yeah, have this we're not po- doing that. dude i have this podcast i listen to that i fucking love was so full of great content and then they just all fell in love with each other and now they do literally 15 minutes of ass slapping on the front end it's like i just i sit there with that little 30 second of head thing just going oh i just slamming it over and over again but we're not like that this is a full metal rpg we do not do that shit yeah so we hate each other. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to yeah. spend time
0: with these people I
2: don't care about your life, Mr. Buzzkill You think yeah. you're so important over there Yeah, you're no, sure? not important
0: at all <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, what have we been playing? I ran Death Watch The old Fantasy Flight Warhammer Ooh. 40k Space Marine RPG Ooh, And I very quickly learned That that system is not really Any more forgiving than any of the other Fantasy Flight RPG systems um, It's Pretty brutal, you. You know, I mean, against hordes or whatever, you're a unstoppable killing machine. But you throw a couple, you know, a group of gene stealers at a group of players, and people start dropping. So, hey, I mean, that's a thing, I guess.
2: So, what would you do kind of like a, a space Hulk kind of kind of scenario where it was like just dudes walking around and gene stealers were there, or what?
0: Uh, I ran one where they landed on a planet to meet with an inquisitor, and then there was a gene stealer called insurrection. So there were gene stealers and gene stealer cultists. And they're mowing down gene stealer cultists, no problems. But then these gene stealers ambushed them. And they got a surprise round. They have these rending claws that if they roll a certain success level under uh, what it takes to hit. Because everything is that percentile based. And their weapon skill is like 65. It's something ridiculous in that game. And so they they attacked. And it's like, oh, if it's three under. So if they rolled anything that was under a 35, they just got armor pen like you got no armor against the it. The gene stealers and, did. Yeah, the gene stealers did, not so they were just dropping people. It was pretty crazy. So, yeah, and then the uh, the sample characters, because there are some pre-made characters for that game, are not made right. They're not made right according to the rules, so they're not even as competent as they should be. So, that was one of the complaints was the characters you rolled up are so much better than the sample characters with the art and the backstory and everything why is that? And I was like, oh, well, I actually followed the book when I made these characters. And clearly, this was these sample characters were put together before the book was finalized. Huh. So, I have some adjustments to make and some fixes to make there. It's fun. It's Warhammer 40K. I mean, you're playing guys and hulking dudes the power armor with like mini rocket launchers blowing shit up. So,
2: so okay. Here, I have a question, which is that uh, we have kind of like questioned the role playability of that game. Uh, based on the idea that like space marines are essentially portrayed in some of the books as being kind of like monocultural personality free like weirdos Mm -hmm. was there any role-playing did anybody get into role-playing was a little there wasn't
0: a ton it was it was a lot of just going and killing stuff so you know a
2: lot of like fake latin words a lot of fake yeah a lot of the
0: over the top yelling and you know how warhammer is so there was a lot of that and not really a lot of the actual well i'm a space wolf and you're a dark angel so naturally we don't get along and
2: Oh, man, there's, like, such a high barrier to entry for Warhammer, like, role-playing. If you don't fucking understand that... The lore. Wars, it's, not, it's not like Star Wars, where you can just, like, walk in and be like, oh, I understand, like, fantasy tropes, and this is just fantasy in space, so I can play Star Wars. It's like, it's like,
0: Warhammer 40K is, like, super fucking weird. It's weird and voluminous, and every chapter has its own weird stuff, and... There's a billion black library books, and it is an undertaking to get into.
3: Yeah, that's one thing. I've, I've never gotten into Warhammer, but I have a lot of friends who've been into it for a long time. So it's one I've always been interested in, but I need to make room for it if I wanted to get into it. So
2: Introduce us to your Warhammer friends. Okay.
3: We want to play more Warhammer. I mean, they live in Minnesota. Oh right. goddamn it. No, that's not going to work. <laughs> goddamn it.
0: <laughs> that's really not going to work. Yeah. Never mind, don't interest. All the cool us. kids
2: are back in the Great Lakes states, man. I swear to god, if I lived in the Great Lakes states, I don't think I'd ever stop playing Warhammer. There's so many Warhammer homies up there. It's crazy. Oh well, yeah, but I mean, what else are you going to do when you live up in that what area? What else you going to as... do in fucking Arizona? That's
0: true. We have all summer <laughs> where we're trapped indoors. I guess we're just afraid they'll all melt when we take them outside to our car to take them to oh, the place yeah. to play. This can't yeah. happen. Whereas, whereas in you know Minnesota, it's just, oh, they're going to be frozen, they'll be fine. Just, right, they'll thaw out. Yeah, totally they'll thaw fine. out. I'll just <laughs> take them to where we're going to play, and then we'll play.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Play anything else? No, that was really it. Cool. Richard, how about you? All right. I uh, see some some stuff over here. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't get any,
1: around any uh, role-playing games, but I kind of role-played in my head. I played a game called Gaslands, which is an uh, Osprey-published uh, game. Uh, book only miniatures game and then you bring your own cars to this so it's a post-apocalyptic think mad max but as a game show you're trying to get to mars so like mars is this uh paradise and earth is a shithole and you're trying to fight your way through this tv show to get a berth on a ship to mars that's the kind of overstory. it doesn't really matter because it basically is rules for those Hot Wheels games used to play in the dirt uh, pew, 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 pew. bang bang Seg. fire so uh i we played uh we played a tournament where we played like uh four on uh, one one versus all four or three players and then we played a uh thunder road where the top two players from the first two games tried to get to the other end of the table while everybody else was trying to kill them so uh that was uh that was something we made up, but uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I got to drive my car straight head, head first into somebody and blow them up. So nice, yeah. So, um, how many people showed up for the tournament? There were seven people there. Pretty good. Uh, for no, no, nothing other than you know, advertising a bunch our fa- fan base and uh, for Arizona Game Fair, and we got a bunch of people showing up. And it's funny because uh, Daryl, who's been on here before is he loves the game. So he has like two teams he's made. And then uh, Andrew Long, uh, the head of Game Fair, is like, he got somebody painted him a car where there's a meeple on the front where Mad Max would be. <laughs> so like the blood bag Mad Max, but there's a meeple on the front of this truck. And those meeples are thick, man. That makes that yeah. thing
0: sticks out quite a bit Yeah, on the front. it makes
1: his truck like super long. But it was uh, it was pretty fun to watch him like mortar people across the table and blow their little buggies up nice so it was a lot of fun i made a lot of uh, terrain with my 3d printer and uh, a buddy of mine uh, painted it and we had painted terrain and it was a lot of fun it's it kind of plays like x-wing a little bit so you have like movement templates
2: yeah that's a good innovation i really like that about it did, and you, you guys were using the Gaslands Refueled rule set, right?
1: Yeah, which is basically Gaslands, but they put out some expansion books, mm-hmm. and they've recollapsed it into one book.
2: So, so sick. So, so. sick. Just out from Osprey. That yeah. That is just out. That's that's the new shit. Uh,
1: cool. Right on, man. That's solid. Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
3: Is so that a you? cement mixer with a machine gun on the front?
1: Uh, it is a cement mixer okay. with a, a machine gun on the top, and I've put, because I'm a, a mechanical nerd, I made them magnetic so oh, they can... Awesome switch them around and turn them around. And then I have a 1973 grand, uh Torino uh, with a flamethrower on top. And he's got a little uh, Vin Diesel on the inside because I bought some extra bits <laughs> from somebody. So The cement nice. mixer should have the flamethrower. And then it could be mixing the
0: napalm and the little cement thing.
1: Oh, yeah. Because you can just... Right. You should, yeah, you should
0: swap that out because yep. that's like a hotter take, I think. Nice. So it was a lot of fun. So anyway... <laughs>
1: i like hot wheels so
2: (laughs) all right okay cool that was a very i like turtles sort of moment i was gonna say i I like turtles i like turtles. love it
1: what are you playing Brendan?
2: oh me oh me guys well um i haven't been super busy in the uh actually gaming department outside of my ongoing ravenous campaign so we've had three sessions of that now it's going really well I uh, challenged myself to do a weekly game, and uh, which is kind of like unheard of nowadays. You know, and the like post, we're not posting school. Post have tons of spare time, so it's like it's a bunch of like middle aged people, and I'm like, no, we're playing fucking weekly. So people show <laughs> up weekly to this to this guy's house. And, uh, Michael, who is a listener? What up, Michael? How you doing? And, uh, so I drive down to his place, so it's, like, it's not just, like, everybody has to come to me, and, I, and I'm being lazy or anything. Uh, and I have to say, like, it's going really well. I'm very excited. It's a very, it's a very exciting experience. Um, I've done a number of, kind of, like, Ravenous one shots, and I've done a two or three Ravenous two shots or three shots. And this is, like, the first time that I'm doing Ravenous as, like, a campaign. And the whole the whole idea is to really test the playbooks and to really get, like, a sense of, like, how it all works, like, in the long haul. Because to me, like, even though kind of Powered by the Apocalypse players are very interested in, like, one-offs to three-offs, I'm interested in long-term campaign play. That is my jam. And so the game has to function on that level. And um, I have to say, dude, I really feel like... Uh, at about hour five of running the game, total, spread out over multiple sessions, it really took off. It, like, got really good. It, we, it, like, like, already, I was like, shit, we're getting, like, some good good material that I think would have actually taken me longer if I'd been running in a different system. So, uh, the kind of premise of the game is that the, the characters are in a brood together and that they uh, are fleeing San Francisco, uh, in 1920 and they did so on a train and it's like one of those like cross-country trains and they pull up in this city and they don't know where it is and it turns out to be uh, Baltimore and then a bunch of spooky shit starts happening to them that I will not divulge what those incidents are because that uh, campaign framework is what I'm gonna be using for uh, Rincon coming up here in the beginning of October so October uh, 4th through 6th, in Tucson, Arizona, and then Gauntlet Con, which is at the end of October. So if you're interested in playing through what my friends at the table have played in my Ravenous campaign, you can find me at Rincon. I, ha- I, think, I think those sessions are called uh, City of the Black Cathedral, and then they are called on Gauntlet Con, they're called uh, Ravenous Funland. And even though those two things are sound very different, <laughs> they are in fact the same thing. So, like, don't go, don't be like, oh, I'm gonna play this different adventure over here. Those are the same adventure. But yeah, so come find me at either RinCon or GauntletCon, and you can play through uh, 1920 Baltimore Ravenous style. And so that's been going really well. But that's 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 what I've been up to. How about you, you Ashley? You've got like. You told me you are in five campaigns. Is that correct?
3: That is correct. Five. Yes. Wow.
2: Oh my god. Are any of them weekly?
3: Yeah, one of them actually is weekly. Um, I'll start with that one. Well, first of all, I I need to make room for that because Ravenous sounds fucking amazing. Like, I really, I can say the fuck word, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, yeah,
2: man.
0: Do that. All
3: right. Um, I'm
0: offended. (laughs) Good.
3: Um. Well, then fuck you. So um, I great would love to play that. That sounds amazing. Um, so the weekly one that I'm in right now is uh, Daryl, that we mentioned earlier. He is running a... Uh, it's called Monsters and Other Childish Things. And it sounds... It's awesome. We're, we're just getting started with it. So um, we're not too far into it yet. But basically, you are a kid and you have your imaginary friends. But your imaginary friend is actually not imaginary and is also a monster. So... Yeah, so it's kind of uh, along the spooky vein, I guess. I'm excited Sick. about that. Mm-hmm. Sick.
2: Are you in his like Monster Mondays like, yeah. group? Yeah. Oh,
3: that's, that's, what it is. that's
1: fucking awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That's rad. And, so and, gonna and I think that. he's going to run that down at Rencon too.
3: Yeah, so. that's what he was saying. When we were choosing games, we decided on that one so that he could get some experience with it before the convention. So, yeah. So that one's good. Um, there's The next one is uh, bi-weekly. Um. DD campaign it's in like a homebrew world and it's also kind of a spooky type thing it's a uh, one of my friends it's her first campaign she's ever run so it's very exciting um i'm playing a bard for the first time which i think i might be Ooh. a real life bard so i'm pretty excited about oh. actually playing one because all of my smart ass comments actually can come out of my character instead of you know when i'm a cleric i need to be a little more serious so that one's exciting um i have Mamre alpha of course is an ongoing one um which is uh, tiny d6 tiny frontiers which I'll talk about a little later um let's see what's the other one I can't keep them all straight that's honestly the hardest thing about playing in so many different campaigns and different systems is keeping the rules straight keeping like Pathfinder and D&D oh
2: my god yeah, yeah. are you in so both a Pathfinder playing. and a D&D game yeah so which one's the D&D game
3: uh the D&D one your friend one is running is the bi weekly one and then uh-huh. I have a Pathfinder one that's kind of whenever we can get together. Is that so. the fifth one? That's the f- fifth one. Yeah.
2: What's that one about?
3: That one is we're doing the um oh wait, no that's a different DD. I'm in two DD campaigns. <laughs> 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 you, it's hard. Um that one is the Emerald Spire. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that campaign.
0: Yeah I have that book.
3: Do you? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're in the spire It's right like a now. super dungeon. Yeah. Super dungeon. It's it's been pretty intense. Um like the Second session, my character, one of the other characters dared me to eat spoiled coyote meat, and I did, and I got sick. I failed my constitution (laughs) save by like one or two, so I got sick. They just
2: dared you to eat spoiled meat? They're like, hey, here's a wacky dare. Yeah. And you were like, it's on.
3: Well, you see, I played- Is it the bard? no this is a cleric, <laughs>
2: is a cleric. the this cleric's is... like I'll take your dare
3: yeah well I'm a dwarf <laughs> cleric of Caden Oh, Caden okay. is all about freedom and freedom of choice and so I think that he would take dares you know for just cause he can so um also he's drunk all the time so Caden is the lucky drunk deity um yeah, so I decided to take the dare because I was probably drunk and freedom of choice. So YOLO? I don't know. YOLO. So <laughs> I ate the spoiled coyote and got sick for like three sessions. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's rough. That sucked. So. Fuck and then my other D&D campaign is an all-girl campaign that I'm in, which is a lot of fun. There's nine of us. What? Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: my God. That's yeah. a lot. That oh, my lot. God. How does that work? What level are you? First of um, all, what level are you?
3: I think we're level... Two okay, two or three, it's basic because a lot of the girls had never played before, so it was kind of a we're doing the Flandin, I think is what Lost it is. Lost Minds
2: like. of Fandelver, yes,
3: that okay. sounds smart, yeah. So, um, yeah, I play a rogue in that one, and that's the other thing is all my characters are such different.
0: Oh my god, you know, yeah, so, Jesus, you just need to bring in some rotten coyote meat into that campaign. Know,
3: well, that one. Happens. She is a gnome rogue, and she is from Minnesota. And so, someone dared her to drink. Oh, wow! Yeah, there's I a lot of
2: daring it. going on in these games. Yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah it's yeah. She, well, it's the same girl. She's in both the campaigns, and she dared <laughs> me to Minnesota drink a Is Minnesota in Forgotten Realms? What
2: is
0: Minnesota
1: in Forgotten Realms? What? I don't know.
3: Um, sure.
1: I think I think it's, it's canon. It's yeah. <laughs> there's many canon places in Forgotten Realms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: and one of the campaigns, I have a southern accent. Like I just like to, you know. Well, that's the thing about um rpgs is that any of my friends who are in because i'm a theater kid so any of the theater kids that i knew that aren't playing dd i'm like why like why are you not you know because you get to actually the rp and mm-hmm. it is so much fun. the accents so. will
0: help you keep the character separate too so you're yeah. not Mixing them up as much.
1: Do you, do you keep mm-hmm. notes about what accent you're going on to, the, on the page, so you can remember? <laughs> I think only yeah, yeah, is... you need to do that, Richard. <laughs> I do, because my Aww. accent, my ac- I have accent float. I, I have a problem. Oh, yeah. God.
2: Oh, wow. All right. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> yeah. Cool. Any, playing anything else? Zelda. Uh, Link's <laughs> Awakening came out. I'm like, it's not a tabletop RPG, but I think it's considered an RPG.
2: Close enough. Anyway. Yep. Close enough.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Perfect. Cool. Yeah. Well everybody's been busy then. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Very, you're very busy. You're making me like feel right. a little tuckered out and kinda mm-hmm. like full of anxiety just listening to that schedule. Jesus.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I could do it, but eh, anyway. I got kids. I got other reasons. Yeah. My whole life's full up. Cool. So what have people been buying? Has anybody bought anything? Richard, have you bought anything lately? I'm looking at your yeah, pile my, of goods my, as my we few
1: speak. Goods. So I got the uh, Descent into Avernus uh, special edition because I can't not buy a D D and book with a giant skull on the front.
2: Is that really why? No, is it not really. why? Why really? Because, Come on, dude, because, explain because yourself. Because you have some answering to do for this one. Really justify yeah. your existence? Yeah, Richard. man. This the the like marketing behind this has just been like over the top. Like I, they just they just keep shoving this dumb Avernus book down our throat. I didn't. is it
0: worse than Salt Marsh though?
2: Dude, this is like, the, this Avernus book is like a Michael Bay movie of a fucking D&D campaign. As far as I can tell, they're like, a city will be destroyed. I'm just like, oh, come on. Who cares? My eyes are rolling so hard. Joe Magliano's character's in this fucking book. The people like, of Jesus. Baldur's
0: Gate care. Jesus it's, fucking Christ. It's, it's, it's is it right Baldur's the, Gate? Is Baldur's
2: Gate?
1: Spoilers, guys. Is it's Baldur- actually it's actually not Bald. Well, Baldur's Gate could be destroyed, but there's an actual other, like a holy city that's oh, actually been sucked into hell. Oh. Oh, spoiler. Well, no, that's like right in the first paragraph oh, of the book. Okay. So mm.
0: I'm not gonna spoil that. Is it like Event Horizon style? Y- like y- it gets pulled into hell and then it comes back and then like there's no eyes and people are carving runes into them. It's the Moonshae
2: and- isles, isn't it? The moonshay isles get destroyed because <laughs> no one gives a fuck about them and no well, one has in
1: like thirty years. That would make sense, but it's some sort of holy city of El of Ellen or something. I don't know. I'm terrible. Don't at me. Sounds great. Uh but no, I haven't been paying attention to the actual marketing of this book, which is probably why I actually bought it.
0: Marketing doesn't work uh, on Richard; he's above no,
1: it. No, it does work. There's when I listen to our podcast, all the designers, then I my my Kickstarter <laughs> goes up. So, <laughs> uh, but no, I I bought this because I we, we we did the salt marsh thing, and I was like, oh, that's kind of terrible. And then I was like, but it's a Dandy book about hell. And the whole satanic panic, uh, you know, the whole like D is evil. It was just like, they're actually publishing something that has a little more tooth to it. And I think it actually does. So there's actually, I was reading it. And I was like, Oh, this is actually kind of cool. Uh, the, the beginning description of what you do now, I know that there's like freaking hell tanks and that's kind of, well, it could be rad, but it's probably terrible. Uh, but they, they, they like run on the souls of the damn souls or something like that. So, uh, so far as I can tell, uh, it's, uh, legit, pretty good, uh, little, uh, you know, big adventure. And then that's like the first half of the book is like, oh, it's, you're going to hell. And the second half of the book is Baldur's Gate. And I was like... Don't need that. All right, and moving on. <laughs> I don't even know
0: you anymore, man. Yeah,
2: I don't know. Okay, I, know. I mean, hey, cool.
1: <laughs> so and then, and then cool. I bought, and I bought. They an actual-
2: did not send us one. Hey, Watsy, you keep sending us books, and then you didn't send us this one. So I don't know what's up with that.
1: Yeah. You think we they would probably be, heard the salt marshes? Yeah, probably, they might
2: have heard that. And the acquisitions Wait, I didn't put that up, did I? No, you never. <laughs> no, put, no, you I, know. I, I said I was going it. to Yeah, yeah no, you, you never. Uh, it's like, hmm, uh, uh, ah, yeah, yeah, uh, forth, yeah, forthcoming, forthcoming. Uh-huh.
1: Besides, <laughs> no, deep it's cuts never yeah. happening. dude.
2: Whatever, I have <laughs> all the files. Shut up. What other, what other book did you buy, Richard? And then
1: I, bought a physical copy of Cult because that. Hell yeah, son. Because I, uh, the homie Jared was like, hey, uh, we're uh. I, I'm at the gaming goat, and I'm really bored. And we have cult, and I was like, "Well, I do kind of love the, the the graphic design and layout of this book, so I kind of want a physical like copy of it." So I was so like, "Own oh, a copy cool. of cult." Go out buy cult, kids. You gonna run it? Uh, probably not. But that's that's just because I have too many other things I need to run. And, yeah, I hear you. Uh, it's but for
3: looking, not for touching.
1: Uh, but and then I bought the reference cards because I was like, "Oh." I'll buy these and then I opened them and I was like, I don't I was expecting like the same kind of graphic design and they're really quite boring. Yeah, oh, really? Are they pretty crummy? Yeah. They're, they're kinda kind of like
2: Oh, those are those are out of the book. Yeah, those yeah, of the
1: weapons manual part of the book. Which which is fine. They're
2: handy. Like if
0: I yeah. if I
1: say here you pick up a gun, here have the gun. Like I get that, but Sure.
0: Alright, but at uh, least I have a cool backer on them or something. What, I don't it, know.
1: Well and they're they're utility cards. So one mm. side is an edge one side is the Unarmed, and the other side is an edge weapon. So every ca- none of the cards have backs on them, which is means you doubled the amount of cards you get, but also no kinda, art kind of spoils the you know like I got this cool weapon. Yeah, you know.
2: Well, that was kind of a problem with like the Pathfinder cards is that like uh, if like more than one person had a plus one sword or whatever, you know, you had to have multiple packs, and then it's like you are well, you mixing them up and all this other shit. And you're, yeah. it was just kind of like I don't know, man. I'm kind of into the cards, kind of not into the cards. It's about, like, what do they actually do? And I, I definitely feel like in this uh, kind of Kickstarter-driven era, there's this, like, pressure to be like, oh, well, does your game have cards? Like, there there's an additional $12 we can milk out of the populace. You gotta have add-ons. Yeah. It's all about add-ons this card pack cost a do-
1: This card pack costs a dollar. You can sell it for 12 Yeah, Where's basically. Where's your profit margin? Come basically.
2: On. I know, right? So. Oh, I didn't buy anything, guys. I didn't buy shit. So, somebody else go. Uh
3: um i
2: oh hold you on see, if, if we if we didn't buy anything we can just pass it's fine yeah. we
1: got plenty of other shit to talk about well, well i do have one apology I have to oh apologize. I have to
2: apologize. here we <laughs> go i knew it was coming
1: too <laughs> because i alan i'm sorry who's alan tell, alan tell. from G- galant night games he i bought the tiny so- oh, back the tiny supers uh kickstarter and i got the dice and the book and I was like, oh, these, these dice kind of don't work if you ro- want to roll a four because that's <laughs> like the first 10 pages of the game. It was like, turns out there are stars on the dice that equal the numbers you could- you're could you rolling when you... I'm like, that is not obvious. But I totally overlooked it does, that as it well. Is, oh. But it is there, and you, it is there, so... You uh, played yourself, Richard. I did. I have I did. the
0: I dice in that game as well, and I will say that I completely Richard overlooked sends, it too. Yeah. So.
2: Richard sent it set out to roast Alan... And he, in turn, was the one that was roasted. Hey, I'm fine with that. Google list of burn centers <laughs> in the U.S. For Richard. <laughs> um, Ombudsman out. Correction instated sorry sorry alan we love you buddy but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make it right yeah you're gonna you're gonna get a whole interview time to roast richard and please roast the shit out of him please yeah. i can't wait well he again. won't
1: hear this before that hopefully but <laughs> No, you're right he won't <laughs> shit fuck
3: all right
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i cut you off did you actually buy anything I, real- yeah, p- I
3: have um i just happened to look at my kickstarter list of what i'm waiting on today and i was really sad that i did because i have so much shit there But I have the few that I'm excited about. One is there's um, Valhalla, is what it's called. It's a card and dice game that I'm pretty excited about. Um, When's that supposed to come out? It's uh, October next month. So, yeah.
2: How do their updates look? Does it look like it's going to happen, or is it like already getting dicey?
3: Yeah, dicey. Ah! Yeah. No, it looks like it's it's going to happen. Everything's done. It's just a matter of getting it shipped out. They're from Poland, I think. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And. this jason mills is a friend of mine that did a demigods kickstarter that's uh, yeah and that one i'm i'm pretty excited about because i got to see some of the artwork at a convention that we were both at and it looks amazing i'm really excited for that
2: and um when's that delivery
3: next year okay early next year yeah.
2: i believe oh so like january february yeah uh yeah yes. i think so oh cool yeah. good yeah good so i ran into him at uh, what is it? Strategicon, Strategicon mm-hmm. in February, and it seemed like his game was already like really, really, really put together, very, yeah. very tight. He had a very tight presentation on it. Yeah, yeah. Then,
1: no, I played it. So six, yeah, it, was, it was really good at Strategicon. No, at, at,
2: uh, I'm at, busting at a your convention chops. that doesn't exist. To... I'm busting <laughs> your chaps, Richie Buzzkill. All right. <laughs> what, so, did you buy anything, Adam? Or did you? No, already my personal swear?
0: life is a financial abattoir. So I have. Not been able to buy anything, so
2: and I probably won't for a while. <laughs> the role playing industry weeps, Adam. It does. I don't, I don't know, man. I did, I, I did get in on to, some Kickstarter. You allowed but... to take breaks, Adam, because there are game developers out there who need. I know too. there are Maybe. I
0: got in on some Kickstarters so against my better judgment and it was one of those things where there was that moment of shame and regret as I'm like looking at all the things that I recently backed on Kickstarter because I swore off Kickstarter and then like a yeah, well, degenerate alcoholic I found myself that late
2: Kickstarter's fucking back yo with a, re- with a vengeance it's like you thought you were done you're not fucking done it's not over till I say it's over <laughs> basically fucking Kickstarter has been kicking me right in the ass lately yeah. Isn't? Yeah. so that's really the only yeah. thing
0: is a bunch of Kickstarters things that funded that i will i'll get them when i get
2: them i guess i don't know adam Game developers need to be able to afford Cheerios so that they can cry into them. I
0: this feel like true. there's going to be
3: a Sarah McLaughlin Eyes of the Angels moment here. <laughs> you need The to arms get... of the angels? Yeah, yeah, the
0: arms of the angels. <laughs> the, so it's not in the, the eyes hurt. of the angels. That would be. be weird.
3: That would be weird. In the eyes uh, of the angels. Yeah, animals. how am I going to get like, I'm going <laughs> to
2: climb
0: into you their know, eyes.
3: And... If,
2: if yeah. those biblical scholars say that angels are basically just a big mess of eyes with wings. Yeah. So if you ever see those paintings, there's like a big mess of eyes, that whole that shit about them being like kind of like ruddy-cheeked little kids, not even a thing. They're like fucking freaky-deaky yeah. eye, eye masses. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I guess, hey, that brings us to an end of what did we buy? And, all right, so now uh, we did a little new segment, right, uh, where we asked our patrons, our uh, long-suffering patrons, then any questions they wanted answered for this episode, and then uh, this, was a, this was a team member innovation from the one, the only, Richie Buzzkill, and uh, the longtime listener, the ride-or-die homie, wolf mungus hit us up with some questions wolf mungus and his his one question is actually four questions and so (laughs) in order to keep in order to keep things moving what we're gonna do is i'm gonna be like all right we're i'm gonna ask one of the questions we're all gonna answer it and then we're gonna go the next one all right so uh or we're just gonna go counterclockwise or not counterclockwise yes counterclockwise (laughs) yes Counter. I've had Michelob Ultra. This <laughs> this is brought to you by are they Michelob Ultra. The show now, yes, seems they, like are. they
3: are. We Hashtag don't think we're not sponsored. To pay them to sponsor. Yes, they are. To
2: pay this is very low calorie, delicious Tall Boy. Anyway, um, <laughs> all right. So, question number one: If you had to run a five E module besides Ravenloft, mm. which would interest you? P.S. No homebrew. And to that I say, Lost Minds of Fandelver is, is like a fan favorite. It is considered by many to be the best d d 5 module, better even than Ravenloft. So I would probably run that. Ashley.
3: I don't fucking know. Richard.
1: <laughs> uh, probably Descent of Avernus
3: right now.
2: <laughs> oh, weak. Adam.
0: Tomb of Annihilation, because there's dinosaur racing in it, so why the fuck not?
2: <laughs> uh, it's yeah, a good point. That. You, sir, are a nihilist. Yeah. All right, the next question is, what game that's out right now that y'all feel should get more love backslash attention besides ravenous he says well you know i spend so much time talking about ravenous i don't see how ravenous could get any more love or attention seeing that it's like basically just like a seed of an idea still so um like uh what game do i think what do that needs more attention jesus i don't know i really love it if uh fucking mutant year zero elysium came out with its die set so i could buy it and then I'd love to, um, i I'd, I'd, I'd love to get more material for that. So your zero Elysium, because that's the shit. What up, Ashley? Um, honestly, Tiny Frontiers. Yeah, really. Yeah, I
3: love Tiny Frontiers.
2: Elaborate. Great. Why do you think it preview. should be
3: more? Because a preview of the uh, what's to come later. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tiny Frontiers. It's it's. Super easy. Anyone can play it, and it's sci-fi. I mean, what's not to love about that?
2: Ooh, hot
1: takes. We will get to
2: that in the discussion portion. Yes. Very interesting.
1: Richie Buzzkill. My my answer is pretty easy for me. That's Cyberpunk Red. It's, oh. it's out. It's a jump start. I wish the distributor or, or Telsorian would have more attention into shipping it to stores. <laughs> That's what. Indeed. The, the, uh, the PDF is fantastic. I want my cyberpunk dice, and I don't want to have to like scalp them off the internet.
2: Motherfucker, you should have said something to me when I, I was know. at Gen Con. I could, they, they were just like laying around in piles. I could have done something. Uh, I'm for well
1: you. aware of that, and I had pla- people that were supposed to do that, and they failed me.
2: I would love it if you would failed chastise me. them on the show, but I know that they don't listen.
1: Well, that's right. That. Well, when when they're on the show, I will then chastise Ah,
2: them. well, there we go. There we go. Okay, Adam. Ah, uh, the
0: Mutineer Zero line, I think, is. Criminally underlu- uh, underlooked, and I think that I, you know much to your point, I'd like to see more material for it. I really love it. I think it's a great game, and I'd like to see more stuff for it.
2: Sick. All right. Is there a dead RPG you would bring back if you could? My answer to that is no. You know why? Because we've been bringing back dead RPGs for so fucking long now. Everything's coming back. We're getting new editions of all this shit. I think it's created a real kind of like existential like issue in the role playing community, which is like. Well, if these games went away in the first place, like why? I mean, I think that some of them probably are like due to like bad management. Like, I mean, like okay, fine, I'll I'll, fine twist my arm. I'll say Dark Conspiracy, even though there's all that weird shit that went on around the the Kickstarter for it. I'd really like to see Dark Dark Conspiracy actually come back. But when I look at things like uh, Mutant Chronicles, uh, Torg coming back, SLA Industries Second Edition, I think to myself. Do we really need this stuff? I mean, I, I heard like uh the guy who wrote like Unhallowed Metropolis and he was on a podcast like 2 years ago or something being like, "I'm working on another edition." And I'm just like, "I don't know. Do we really need this shit?" I mean, and this kind of gets to something that's been going on with me in like The Vampire 5. Like, does V5 need to exist? I'm not necessarily certain that it does. That's like that's a that's a issue for a different show where you should really spend the whole show talking about it, but the the short answer is is no. I don't want to bring back dead RPGs. If I had to bring back a dead RPG, it'd be fucking dark conspiracy with like really great storytelling and awesome new art and like way better mechanics than the old one. No, Tellus Atlanta. Lanta has a current edition. Oh, does it? Oh, all right, never <laughs> just mind. Can't, just can't get it. All right, <laughs> and I and I I ha- thought it was dead. And I have like and I have like every land Well, not every. I have like almost every Talisanta book from the original series. And it's like, and, and this gets to Jamie from Coliseum Rex's point, which is, what's wrong with that game? It's a great fucking game. I'd I'd run Tal- availability. I guess. Yeah, you can get it on fucking eBay oh, for like you? five bucks. Right. I mean, nobody wants Talos Lanta. <laughs> it's like, just, can you spell Talos Lanta? Anyway, uh, Ashley, what do you got?
3: Um, I don't think so at all, because I think, to your point, if uh, if it's dead, there's probably a reason. And I think that new and growth is always a good thing, and change is always a good thing. So I think that if there is a dead RPG, it needs to stay gone and make room for the new game designers, developers, things like that to come out.
1: Hot take, I love it. I also agree with that point, but I will it to to amuse the question. Uh, I will uh, pick Elric. Uh, oh, that's a good.
2: That's a spicy meatball.
1: I will pick I Elric. Do like that, and, and not Stormbringer. Elric, because I that's the that's the one that's the that's <laughs> now the, it's double spicy because that's the one that's the version I played was Elric. Oh, El, with the X-Po- with the X point. That's the version I played. not Oh, wow. But it wouldn't matter. Any of the Uh, any of those versions something from in that world would be fantastic but maybe just have those books on u.s shelves like the 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 novels themselves and maybe you could build a build it back to have an rpg again because it's impossible to buy those novels i had to import them from england
2: yeah it's ridiculous because uh, my friends in england are like like they, they roast me. They're like, oh, these dumb Elric books. You can buy them at the uh, the charity shop for like five cents. And I'm like, yeah. Well, they're not in print in America. They're like a fucking pain in the ass. So if you want to just like scoop them up at the charity shops and send them to me? I can give them to my friends so they can actually read these
1: fucking books. You could be you could make a good living reselling those books. Cause yeah, they were seriously. not cheap when I yeah no them. for
2: like the for like the crummy like paperback ones are like ten bucks a piece. I'm like, yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, Adam, how about you, buddy? Fuck
0: you, Dark Heresy. Dark That's Heresy. It. Yeah, just bring back Dark Heresy.
2: Really, you're you're missing Dark Heresy. That I miss Dark Heresy. I think it was a good game.
0: I think wow. it had a place in the Warhammer universe that isn't really fulfilled. At, like, and yeah, there's Wrath and Glory, but I don't think it touches the same notes that Dark Heresy did. So, no, I, I, agree. I would bring back Dark Heresy.
2: It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how Wrath and Glory looks when they kind of doll it up for C7. Um, yeah,
0: it'll be. Yeah, I, I'm hopeful that there will be some more kind of low level hive scummy type of stuff for it because i will say like having had wrath and glory and played the intro adventure it it was it felt very heroic and it was very guys in power armor and i'm kind of like ah, i really just kind of want that you're an inquisitorial retinue and you're delving into these horrible things at a really low level in the world and so i missed our heresy i'd bring that one back
2: what's interesting to me is that C7 when they bought Wrath and Glory they were like, "Oh, we're going to reissue the book, but it's mostly going to be editorial changes, right?" And you're like, "Cool." So, then it's been a few months. There's all this new art out for it. They've obviously changed the tone of the book incredibly. Then they put up this uh 40% off sale, right? And I was like, "Oh, cool. I'll go on there and see what's up." Right? Maybe it'll be some Warhammer fancy roleplay. Zero Warhammer fancy roleplay. It's all like Doctor Who and Wrath and Glory. They're like they're like shunting out. They're just all, clearing out all the inventory. All the Ulysses Spiel inventory is gone. So I'm starting to think maybe there's more changes than they let on initially. Yeah,
0: I'm glad that I only ever got the core book and not all the add-on things. Yeah,
2: that's pretty. That that, that was pretty uh, sucky. That you kind of got punished for being an early adopter there on that. Yeah,
0: one. but that's that has happened to me so many times in the RPG industry. I'm just used to it.
2: Maybe maybe uh, you'll there'll be like somebody who's like a big like wrath and glory first edition acolyte and they'll like pay you a hundred dollars for it. Maybe not likely. That's probably not going to. I don't think so. Yeah. All right. So uh, last question from Wolfmungus: favorite miniatures game currently? What faction slash army? Currently, I am playing the fuck out of Warhammer forty k. My my miniatures day is pretty much taken up by Warhammer forty k, and I play Death Guard. Ashley I don't
3: I don't have any games that are a miniature game. I have a mini. I have a mini for each of my characters, but I don't play one that's just a miniatures game.
1: That is fair. Uh well, Gaslands because I'm still high on gas f- fumes from playing <laughs> Gaslands,
3: uh,
1: and probably the new Ghost Rider faction that basically they're, they're ghost cars. I don't know what that's a real faction. Uh, apparently, I, I haven't read the rules, but everybody on the on the group is talking about this and making cars for it. But apparently, you can only drop stuff; you can't actually fire things. So you have to like drop mines to try and blow up cars, and you can't ram into them. So it sounds like a really weird and out-of-the-box kind of thinking. Yeah, sounds finesse as fuck. Yeah. So anyway, it sounds weird, but I'm going to go with that because that's the only one I can think of right now. (laughs) I have been playing
0: Warhammer 40K again. So I guess Warhammer 40K and the faction I've been playing are the Iron Hand Space Marines. Shaking
2: my fucking
0: head. Look at this guy over here. I would, oh I'd play Space Orcs if God. they weren't garbage in this edition, but oh I love the Orcs, God, but God. I want to play something that's actually, I don't know, decent, and super, Orcs are not decent in this Super top one. tier and elite? Super, uh, uh, yeah, they're yeah. because uh. I mean, you look at the tournament <laughs> rankings, it's just all Iron Hands all oh. the way down.
2: Well, since so their, their, their miniature codex hasn't come out yet, but it will this weekend. Their codex is out. Oh, what, as of this weekend? No,
0: it, I have it Saturday? at home. It, it came out. A while ago, like two weeks ago. It came out when Raven Guard did oh. two weeks ago, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> they haven't figured out the broken builds for that list yet. Yeah. But, and I like, I'm like i playing a battle box with it, so, you know, and it's not even the good battle box. It's uh, Dark Imperium and not Shadow
2: Spear. Which is lit. Shadow Spear is lit. Yeah, Shadow Spear is way better than, than Dark Yeah, Imperium. seriously. Dark Imperium We're is kind of trash. All right, so before we go on break... Richie Buzzkill has volunteered to read some uh, iTunes reviews that we got. We got some iTunes reviews, and we always say, yo, we'll read the iTunes reviews if you write them. So it looks like somebody wrote one on July 12th, and somebody wrote one on June 30th, and we haven't read it yet. So (laughs) (laughs) here we are, end of September. (laughs) I don't look at them all the time. It's
1: so rare we get them anymore. All right. Uh, Sassy MFers. Yeah. Which is a great name for a reviewer. Uh, no, fun- that's the name, that's isn't the title. That, that's the title, that's title of oh, the oh, review. Oh, okay. Oh, it's... Oh, uh, man, we are great. never letting you do this oh, again. Never. <laughs> I, I I Discord. I don't look at uh, freaking iTunes. God, it's ancient crappy It's called crappy professionalism. Software. If you've like, got a job, like take some fucking pride yeah,
0: in your Lord. work.
2: We have, we have actually a pretty good ranking of iTunes yeah, reviews, bro. Yeah, we do, bro. actually. Considering that nobody gives a shit about this show, we've got like a really good <laughs> review rating.
1: I mean, apparently people do give a shit because they give us five-star reviews, which is great. Uh Gray Muse, which was the one that left the Sassy MFers. Thanks, Gray Muse. Uh funny, Irreverent, and Blunt. All the hallmarks of gamers who truly love the practice of tabletop role-playing. Uh each episode is full of funny moments and great reviews. They have cool t-shirts too, which we should have more t-shirts at some point. <laughs> and uh, great informative podcast by FL Social Worker. Uh the only horror RPG that I'll ever that I've ever played is called Call of Cthulhu. Uh, this podcast is really expanding my horizons. In particular, the interviews with the designers of Cult were amazing and convinced me that I had to give that game a chance. Engaging the engaging hosts with a real love and deep knowledge of the genre highly recommended. Thank you very much. Are those five star reviews each? They are both five star reviews.
2: Thank you so much Grey Muse and FL social worker for listening. We really appreciate you listening. Um it's I mean the reviews are like the best thing to read. I love I love reading them. I love reading them, you know, especially when they are so generous with us as that it is it is our pleasure to entertain you and we are happy that someone out there is entertained by all of this.
1: We really appreciate. it.
2: No doubt. No doubt. So hey, you know, if you guys want to, you know, leave a five star review on on uh, iTunes, we'll read it like three months later. And then um, if you want to <laughs> leave a one star review, like that one guy, who, <laughs> that one guy who was like that alt-right dude, meh from dm slide thanks pal um we'll we'll just keep reading we'll get it's it's pulled up we'll uh we'll uh we'll read that one too i'm
0: glad that that guy gets to live in your head rent free so
2: it's only because it's pulled up it's it's just right there sure it's right there it's okay it's all right
0: who hurt you (laughs)
2: <laughs> i mean his, i know his name DM is slide. dm slide <laughs> it I, like, says I, right here
0: i know that it says but... <laughs> his
2: name right here how can you ask me that this is not a bruce wayne scenario all right so uh it's not your fault who's uh
3: <laughs> i think you should get a tattoo that just says meh <laughs> <laughs> like, and the, like, quotes, uh, meh like underneath it like and then my it's kind friend of how i
2: live what? my life okay. yeah, yeah right. <laughs> i gotta say that is <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. That's a little too real. <laughs> That's a little too real. <sighs> Alright, so who wants to do the thing where if we where we thank our sponsors? Who wants to thank our sponsors?
1: Uh-huh. Richard's gonna, gonna do, do it. it. Alright, thank our sponsors. Exalted funeral. Go. Check out Exalted Funeral. They have some great product. Uh we're soon to be the second edition of Disciples and Bone and Shadow. It's gonna be one. rare apparently because yeah. uh, if you listen to the review, or not the review, the interview uh of Alex from Black uh, Oath.
2: Black Oath Entertainment. Entertainment.
1: Uh from us. And uh it they have an amazing selection of interesting indie RPGs and uh there's some, bl- there's some metal on there, so you can get your music on. And there's some esoterica, so you can get some esoterica. There was Degenesis, I saw.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, who knows? There by there some, not, there by may the time, not time be people anymore. are hearing this, yeah. I don't know if there'll be any Degenesis left. Yeah. However, what will definitely be left is the uh, Seekers Beyond the Shroud Kickstarter will be up and active. And um, I know I've been very effusive about it on Facebook and Instagram. But I really do think that that's going to be a special Kickstarter. Uh, after talking to Alex about that that game, I'm I'm super hyped on it. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to check that on Kickstarter, that's Seekers Beyond the Shroud. So check that out.
1: We'll thank our patrons. What they, up, patrons? They are the best. We're gonna we're taking questions now, so please be more interactive with us. We'll we'll be taking some more next time, and we we apologize.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, oh
2: God. Oh, there's a special place in hell for me. Anyway. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: and I, we are recording at the Arizona Game Fair warehouse. So uh, I figure I'd give a shout out. It's going to be March 20 through the 22nd of uh, 2020. We're, I'm, we're working digil- diligently on an RPG guest. I'll be there All our sched- if all our schedules are clear this time. So...
2: Uh, well, uh, uh, you didn't line it up directly against Adepticon this time, so I, ha- I have that to say for it. That's right. pretty hot. Yep, that's that's that definitely increases my odds of being there, Mr.
1: Buzzkill. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> Come check out Arizona Game Fair, and it's March in Arizona, which is the best one of the best times of year to be here. Mm-hmm. So it's true.
3: I think Arizona Game Fair was my first time playing Happy Time Dungeon Hour with you guys. It was. Yeah. It was.
1: Uh, there's a recording of that somewhere, oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> in the vault with all of Prince's music and the GNR industrial album. <laughs> all right, so uh, we're going to take a little break. We will uh, discuss uh, the Ravenous Design Diary, Part Three, and then we will do a Tiny Frontiers review by Ashley. <laughs> Fullmale RPG. This is Brendan Carrion, and now I'm going to take a little bit of a moment and discuss the latest Ravenous Design Diary. This is part three. Now, uh, in Design and Diary Part Two, there was some kind of vague talk about the Ravenous Holding Environment because that was the design issue that I was trying to work through. And I kind of listened back to it, and I wasn't super enthused about some of the things I had to say, although it was clearly enough to get a number of people curious. Because I did have some listeners write in asking me to expand on the concept of holding environment a little bit more. So this is Ravenous Design Diary 3, Holding Environment Part 2. Okay, so um, as we were talking about last time, the holding environment is this kind of like mechanism in which the game happens, right? One of the things I kind of wanted to reiterate is that the holding environment needs to be intuitive. It needs to be an intuitive understanding of what the game is. Okay. Now, if you listen to my interview with uh, Alex at Black Oath, uh, he talked about the game loop. And to be totally honest, I feel like when you're talking about the game loop and the holding environment, you're talking about some ideas that, at the very least, are corollary. They may actually be the same thing. Okay. Because whenever I try to illustrate the holding environment for someone, it always I always end up drawing a loop. Uh, because what you're kind of angling for, at least in my opinion. And of course, this is Mark D. S. Truman's idea, and I don't wanna try and I don't want to try and co-opt it. I don't want to try and take it over or to dilute it from what it is that he is trying to say. But it seems to me that there's a there's an idea of recursion that kind of like has to happen. There's a sort of like a cascading effect where the actions of the players feed into the actions of the players that create this dynamic that uh, once the once the pinball that I referred to in the last one is in motion, then it sort of stays in motion as it bounces off the sort of walls of the holding environment. Um, so let's kind of return to this this concept of intuitiveness. Okay, there is in order for a holding environment to work, the players have to understand immediately what is expected of them the second they make the character. Now, this kind of refers back almost to something that we talked about early on in Full Metal RPG when we were interviewing John Wick. And John Wick at the time made a statement about you can tell what a game is about by what's on the character sheet. For a long time, I kind of like really cleaved to this as like a central tenet of game design. And like whenever I would buy a book, the first thing I would do is I'd look at the character sheet. Then as I was reading the book, I'd compare it against the character sheet to see if those two things matched up. And I still believe that that's true. But what I really believe is that the mechanics of the game, as reflected in the character sheet, are going to kind of tell you what the holding environment is. And there's going to be a difference, I think, between like a real holding environment and like kind of like the illusion of one, okay? Now, um, to just sort of clarify, uh, the way that you have to look at this concept is you have the player characters, okay, and like what they are, and what they are will inform what they are doing okay then you're gonna place a sort of that that's almost like a linear relationship what you are to what you are doing and then as the game designer you're gonna put something in the middle of it which is how they interact with what they are doing okay this is gonna be kind of this this on some level is gonna be reflected very heavily in the character sheet like weapons fucking the rules i'm gonna make this st- this do i have skills or do i have moves you see what i'm saying so so that's what you're doing through the lens of the mechanic then by doing that thing you get rewarded which makes you want to go do it again to get those rewards that create this 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 cycle of recursion okay so when people whenever i try to people are like that's a weird idea I don't, you don't make any sense, Brendan. You're like one of those college professors that I hated. And I go, let me explain to you a game with a perfect, what I consider to be a perfect holding environment. Okay. So I consider Shadowrun to be an example of a game with a perfect holding environment. Now you may say, Brendan, what about Dungeons and Dragons? And I would say, eh, that does not have a perfect holding environment. It actually has a fucked up holding environment. And then I can give you some examples of some other games that either have like terrible holding environments. Or ones that completely, that just non-existent holding environments. But, Shadowrun is my choice for perfect. Now, why is this, okay? Because when you drop a player into a Shadowrun game, they know exactly what they're supposed to do. If you run Shadowrun, the way Shadowrun is written, it always goes off. It never fails to go off. The players look at the character sheet. You tell them, who it is that they are, and they know instinctively what it is that they are doing. So what is a shadow runner, right? So that's why I said the first premise was what 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 is it that you're playing? I'm a shadow runner. A shadow runner is a mercenary. What do mercenaries do? Mercenaries take mercenary contracts. All right? So essentially we have mercenaries, we have contracts. That's the linear relationship. How do we do it? Okay? This is the character sheet. I get cyberware, I get guns and shit, right? So I get all my cyber, my guns and shit, my skills. Then I get my job. Then I go on the job. This is the second half of the loop, right? And by completing the job, at the end of it, I get a reward that just makes me go out and buy more fucking guns and more fucking cyberware. Why? So I can go on another job, right? Now, there's all this other shit that goes on in, in, in Shadowrun that's just icing on the cake. Dragons and fucking corporations. That's the setting. That's That's the... The fun part that makes it not just rolling dice and shit, but this holding environment of I'm a mercenary who needs weapons so I can go on a job, so I can do the job, then I get more weapons so I can go on more jobs is a perfect holding environment. And in the course of my entire life of role playing, I have never seen it fail because the second the player looks at the character sheet, they get it. They just get it. Oh, I got this fucking cyber arm. I got a fucking net. I'm a fucking net runner. I need to go. I couldn't afford the cyberware I wanted, so I need to get the money to get the cyberware I wanted. The only way to do that is through a job. Never have I ever sat down to play Shadowrun and had somebody go, "Fuck that shit! I want to be a corp. I want to fucking be in the boardroom making deals, or I want to be, I want to be, uh, uh, I want to be a guy who sells noodles on on the side of the street like Blade Runner. I don't, I don't care about any of that shit. And if they did this, the character sheet would reject it. There's no skills for that. There's no equipment for that. There's no way to buy a fucking noodle cart, you know. There's no there's no role to make to like be the head of OCP. The game the game is almost perfect in how focused it is, right? So um, D and D actually has a similar kind of holding environment because on some level the concept of being an adventurer is similar to being the the concept of being a mercenary, right? Like oh like I, I have a character sheet that kind of like that kind of like goes, oh, I need all this stuff so I can take these jobs, and so then I can do the job, right? But the problem with the the D and D holding environment is that at about tenth level, the characters start becoming too powerful for the environment, right? Like they become almost like demigods, and it starts straining the credibility of the environment that these guys who like just walk around fucking like killing Balrogs and shit. Like, why
1: would they ever? With more money than a kingdom exactly. on their belt.
2: It doesn't make sense. It stops making sense at a certain point. And Shadowrun never pushes back on you like that. Because as big as you can get, you can sit there and be like, I got like 18 cyber arms and I've got a million, a million machine guns in each arm. But there's still a giant mega corporation that can send a fucking tactical nuke and just nuke and just fucking, you know, you're dead. Just vaporize you, right? So Shadowrun succeeds where D&D because of the fucking leveling system. And this is, I think, why OSR games cap everything at 10. Because it, because we all know that 1 through 10 is interesting, and then for some reason, 11 through 20 starts to grind, and it gets boring. And the reason it gets boring is because the holding environment starts breaking down, right? So that's my thoughts on holding environment and how it functions, right? Uh, this is kind of what I've been thinking about since people have asked me some questions. And um, I got two more parts that I want to give on this in the next couple episodes of Full Mill RPG. Part three, I'm going to discuss how the ravenous holding environment broke down and what I did to fix it. And then part four, hopefully, I'm going to have Mark Diaz Truman talk to me about holding environment, his actual thoughts about it. And we're going to get some of his thoughts on how to design for PBTA. That's if he's willing to come on. He's gonna be in town for Rencon. I'm gonna try and chase him down. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, thank you for listening to that. Does anybody have any questions after I just fucking ranted? I think for I minutes? think
1: Blades in the Dark explicitly states its holding environment from what you're describing because there's the heist. Then there's the the you're you're feeding your uh, addictions to to go back and heist again. Like it's it's this kind of like you're you're thieves or whatever. You're smugglers. You're gonna do this heist. And then you have to recover, and then you're doing it again. So right,
2: right. It's a tight game. It's yep. a tight game. And then on some level, uh, like the sprawl is another cyberpunk game that's yep. like that's that is just zeroed in on just that cycle, and yeah. uh, it just stays on top of that shit. And games that don't stay on top of that shit, or games that don't understand what they're actually about, that's why you see games that are just that just meander. And to me, that's why I have had games that like sometimes really click and then sometimes just completely fall apart. Because um, I think it's actually entirely possible for a group of players to sit down at the table and all have the same preconceived notion about how a game functions, and then have amongst the table have essentially created their own holding environment that hasn't been explicitly stated. It's just an unsensitive understanding, and then the game really functions. But then like one person quits, and another person joins up, and the and the whole environment falls apart because they're like, oh, Vampire the Masquerade is about fucking katanas and machine guns. And everybody else was like, no, it's more about brooding in graveyards. And then everything <laughs> starts falling apart because the actual game doesn't really support one or the other. Well,
1: it just like what I was describing with Fiasco, the, fia- the Fiasco game that went wrong. Oh, the Bulldogs game. The Bulldogs, because that holding environment because it's a space game you're basically playing kind of a firefly but not really game so nobody i don't think anybody really understood even mm-hmm. myself understood what was going on because i was like well we could play all these other ones or we could play this one and, it, and somebody was like oh well i will to play that one like cool all right and then <laughs> like i i should not have offered that and that was sort of my issue with it but it it d- definitely rings true, and it it it's very interesting that we're going going in the direction. So.
2: I, I think it's something that GMs should just take into account when they are um, sitting down to run a game. I think this is good advice for designers. I think it's really up, up, up to my design game, but I think it also ups your GM game. Like, I'll never run Vampire the Masquerade the same again after having learned this critical tool. Anyway, I've been op- monopolizing the mic for way too long. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you for being so patient. Yeah. Today no, you have a you have a review for us, is that right?
3: I do, yeah. Um it's a Tiny Review for Tiny Frontiers by yeah. Alan Barr. Um we mentioned it a little earlier a couple times. Uh, I'm sure most listeners are familiar with the tiny d6 system, correct?
1: Well we mentioned it no. yeah, yeah, they I should always, be at this point. Yeah, mention I mean, it again.
3: Yeah, yeah, why not? Okay, I just I didn't want to bore them with shit. They already knew. So um the Tiny Frontiers book is it's based on the tiny d 6 system, which is great for uh, newcomers. It's a minimal rule set, very RP heavy. So if you like the role-playing part of role-playing games, this is it's great for that. Uh, your, your dice pool is 3D6, that's it. So when you're rolling to see if you do a thing, you roll two dice. If one of those is a 5 or a 6, you do the thing, basically. So it's very simple rule sets, and it leaves so much room for playing, which is my favorite part about the RPGs that I do um character creation super super easy it's on a three by five card i ran this for alan at a local convention and uh we didn't have pre-gen characters we had everyone sit down they'd never some of them had never heard of the tiny d6 system or tiny frontiers and within five to seven minutes all of them had their characters created so it's a very simple streamlined process which i think is great because then you can just get into playing which is fantastic Um, the, instead of races, they use heritages. So when you're trying to build your character, uh, you, you just choose like five different things. You have a heritage, which, uh, I'm just going to read out of the book real quick. It's a very short blurb about why they use heritage instead of race. Um, it says that race fails to account for the full spectrum of cultural, environmental, familial, and genetic heritage. So, uh, the word heritage is just more all encompassing, which I think was a pretty cool way to look at that. Uh, then you just choose traits instead of a huge skill list that you have to pick from. There's just three traits that you choose. You, three traits that you choose. Then there's a weapon group, and you're proficient with that weapon group. And then there's a family trait and a belief, and that's it. So you choose those five things, you're good to go. So in Tiny Frontiers, it is the sci-fi version of Tiny D6. So all of the heritages you choose from are sci-fi. So if you like Star Trek, Star Wars, um, even Firefly, some of the... The traits that you choose from, they all have little quotes and some of them are like, it's funny how you find yourself in a bar on Unification Day, stuff like that. So there's quotes from all the different sci-fi shows, which I think is pretty great because I love sci-fi. It's just super flexible. That's kind of the beauty of it is that there's not a whole lot of rules, which is pretty great. So it's. I think it's, like I said, it's great for new players, new GMs as well. Like I said, I get to run it at a local convention, and it's my first time running a game, and it was super easy. It's just if you have an imagination, you can do it, which is great. Half of the book, so this book, I have it in front of me, is like 150 pages long, so it's super small, and half of that is just scenarios that you can run. So the actual rules and characters and all that stuff setting up is like 70 pages of this book so it's again very flexible for you to be able to do the things that you want to do Um, it's great for one shots but also for campaigns so like if you wanted to run a campaign there's ways to get in deeper with it you can build ships you have money called gal creds things like that so it's um, yeah pretty good for whatever it is you want to do with it Uh, I was trying to think of who this would not be for because i think for any review it's important to know who it's for but then also who it's not for and the only thing i could come up with is if you're one of those people that you're like a dice goblin where you just love having all the dice uh which i love is, that that's awesome it's me i like i have a huge bag of dice um and i'd use none of them for tiny frontiers because all you use is 3d6 so if you like all the shinies um I mean, you can take them and set them out in front of you at the table, but you're not going to use them. Uh, and then if you really like the crunch of all of the numbers on the character sheets, like again, your character sheet's a three by five card. So if you like having all of those numbers and things like that, this isn't really for you. Uh, as far as the book itself, the only thing I can think of with it would be if you like, like your your book had the huge the artwork that was like colorful and all of that. If you really like those in your books, then um, this one is, it's got artwork in it, but it's black and white. Um I like it just fine because I think the book is is great. But if you like a little like Lord of the Rings epic fantasy or something in your books, then this does not have that. So I think it's great. Uh, I absolutely love it. It's what we run on Mamre Alpha. So um it's perfect for that kind of thing. And uh, going back to if you like to just play pretend, I think this is a really good system for you cool
2: yeah that's awesome um so how, how much does that book run if you wanted to pick up from Gallant night mm,
3: i'm not sure oh okay it's honestly. not on the cover all right yeah, my bad my bad
2: yeah. um but I'm, I'm sure it's accessible because all the Gallant night stuff is yeah uh how how has um it been campaigning with that what what does it feel like like what are your takeaways because if you how many you've been running that for a number of sessions right on uh, memory alpha
3: oh yeah um our first season we used a different um system but we've been running tiny frontiers for our second season and we're like 13 episodes into the second season now so uh we really like it especially for a podcast because it is so role play heavy and narrative driven so for us it works really well because there's i mean you get to roll the dice which is always the fun part but um it works really well for just telling a story and playing along with it so,
1: is, and this is one of the things I haven't really explored, like, is there much advancement in the characters or is it kind of a, your like in science fiction, a lot of times there's not this big, yeah. I mean, growth in personage like there is in a lot of fantasy games, mm-hmm. but is, is there kind of an advancement system? Because I've never, I've only played Tiny D6 yeah. in a one shot kind of environment. So yeah. I don't know about that. So.
3: Yeah. um, Instead of having a level up, like there's not levels to where you, you know, at this level, you do this many skill points and blah, 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 and all of that. Um, Instead of leveling up, it's every couple sessions you get to pick another trait. So it tops out at how many traits you can choose. But the traits are basically things that you're good at. So instead of kind of pigeonholing you into a class, you choose your heritage. And then these are three traits that you're, you're good at. So some of the heritages come with a trait already assigned to it and you get to pick two um and then when you i'm using quotations here uh level up then you get to choose another trait to add to what it is that you have that you're good at
1: and thus not having a like a power a power ramp that are just kind of like yeah your, your stair steps and then you're maxed out and,
3: yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. do you
2: feel like with that game you could do just like uh like, a wide variety of different kinds of things? Or is it kind of more kind of pushing you into a specific kind of thing? Like, I mean, I know that you guys do a Star Trek mm-hmm. sort of vibe. Yeah. And I imagine it's probably pretty good for Star Wars or, yes. sort of like, BSG or something. Uh-huh. Like, what if you wanted to do something, like, a little harder, or like, a like uh, 2001 Space Odyssey or mm-hmm. if you want to, want to do like transhuman space where everybody's like a cyborg with sleeves and stuff mm-hmm. like that, Like, you think you could do that too?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, actually in the, um, not the traits, but there's like kind of features. They have cybernetics and psionics and some of the heritage you can choose are kind of autoborg and things like that. So there's a lot of different options for things like that. Um, and I think that since it is so loosey-goosey, if you will, It allows for it allows a lot of room for things like that, where you can kind of take it as you where you want to go with it, basically.
2: How did uh? How does the the ship based mechanic function? Does it does it function well? Like Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of sci fi games kind of run aground on this, Uh where it's like. Either there's like too many rules, or there's like I don't know, maybe I don't know if I want to say not enough rules, but like sometimes people get really caught up in ships when it comes to sci-fi, like dogfights or capital ships, and the scalability of that entire idea is very weird. Mm -hmm. How does it work here? Does it work all right?
3: Um, We honestly, because we knew we were going with Star Trek, and because we didn't start with this system, Mm -hmm. we we have our our ship and that's that. So uh one thing about this that I do like is there are things like depletion points. So uh depletion points are basically the the more you use something the more you do have to repair it. So it's not just you have your ship, you have your weapons and they're good to go forever and ever. It is you have to maintain it and things like that. So um I don't know if that really answers your question about the ship itself, but
2: I mean, it's kind of Interesting because as a, it, it does give me an insight kind of like where you guys are coming at it from mm-hmm. a Star Trek point of view yeah. where it's almost like a next generation kind of like, well, the ship's the ship and like every so often there's going to be like a episode where the ship's in trouble, but...
3: Right. Or Voyager every single episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you're
2: not doing DS9 where it's like right. armadas fighting each other and stuff.
3: Right. Okay. Yeah.
1: Cool. Cool. Yeah. No, sounds great. Did...
2: um. So you said that on the very end that there was like you said scenarios. Are those yeah. but I know I have I have Tiny Dungeon, I don't have that one. Mm-hmm. Are those uh scenarios like pre written adventures or are those like more like play sets where it's like um like uh kind of like I like adventure settings, like campaign settings?
3: Yeah, they're um micro settings. Micro so, settings, Yeah. Okay. So it's like the amazing galaxy race is one of the examples that are in here. And they're written by guests writers so this one is by someone named uh toby abad but it's got the intro kind of what it is there's npcs and things like that it'll have their information in there for you so you don't have to roll that up or anything so they also have kind of a random encounter grids in here too so if you wanted to pull up a chart and just not think much about it and just roll out what it is that you're doing they have that in here too sick yeah Yeah, the
0: scenarios tend to be stretch goals on the kickstarters i found i was like tiny wastelands has them as well and yeah. I think Tiny Supers does. I yeah, think I they think they're pretty common too, for the yeah. for mm-hmm. the that line of book, the tiny role playing game books.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, those games are just like very versatile, so you can kind of just, I mean, whatever you want to do with it, you can just do with it pretty easily, which is one of the things I love about it. I'm, I'm still waiting on my uh, Cyberpunk one that uh, Alan says is is in process, and then of course. If he ever does a horror one, I'll totally pick that up. I right. was
3: actually someone... I was talking about this with someone, because I anyone who will listen, I talk about Tiny D6, because I think it's fantastic. Because um, it's not just D&D. People are like, oh, you know, they get a little... Um, Curious? No, like scare, intimidated. There you go. Oh, yeah. They get a little intimidated by it sometimes because it is the huge character sheet and things like that. And I'm like, this is perfect. You just, you get to go and, and play. And so someone was like, oh, do they have a horror one? Because I was talking about all the different kinds they had. And I'm like, no, but we should tell Alan to do that. Yeah, he that's should. amazing. He I know should. there's a tiny Cthulhu that someone else did.
2: Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, You said that you ran it for him. Is that right? Yeah. 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 At, 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 that, at that con? Uh-huh. Wow. So, was, and that was like, uh, so you're just like, oh, I'm just going to sit down and run Tiny Frontier. Then the developers sat down and
3: played? No, um, Alan actually, I got in contact with him because he, he listens to Memory Alpha. And so he's, uh, supports the show. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that, and... was, that was my work. By yeah. The way. That was, oh,
2: great. Hey, yeah. hey, everybody.
0: Let's make it about Richard. Yeah. yeah wow. Uh, like, wow. everybody, look at me. Look hey. at me. like, yeah,
3: he discovered the podcast on his own. It was great. And Richard's like, no, I told him. I'm like, yeah. okay.
1: He's just <laughs> not getting enough attention. Well, Richard, I, uh, I, as soon as you guys started running Tiny Frontiers, <laughs> yeah. I was like, Alan, you need to listen to this yeah. because it's awesome and yeah. it's running your game. So, yeah. And
2: go. yet he cannot remember who you are. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and,
1: Shocking.
2: Anyway, so. so I
3: talked to him because the convention, um, kind of reached out to me and asked if I wanted to do something with the convention and I was like yeah absolutely and then uh when I found out Alan was going to be there I contacted him and I was just like do you want to do something since you know whatever so he asked if I wanted to run this for him and so he had a spotlight room like it was a gallant night games oh, spotlight hey. room uh for all the different things and so I had a table there and just people would come in and when I got enough people I'd run a game
2: oh it's fucking awesome yeah that is it was fucking great. awesome it was a lot of fun that's that. That's cool, mm-hmm. and we're happy to have you in this in this uh, like uh, the local gaming community mm-hmm. here. It's like, super great having someone who's connected to Manor Alpha and just like yeah. you know, right here getting the word out about these games. Yeah, it's fucking yeah, yeah. awesome. Thank I you. I love
3: the local gaming community here. It's amazing. Like everyone I've interacted with has been pretty fantastic.
2: It ain't bad. Yeah, it ain't too bad as mm-hmm. gaming communities go. I don't think. Are you going to Rincon?
3: I haven't decided yet. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of traveling, and it's not done yeah, yet, so I'm kind of like, do I yeah. want to just sit on my ass all weekend and play Zelda, or do I want to go to Tucson? So
2: yeah, well, the the former sounds pretty good to be totally lost. Yeah. No lie. Yeah. No lie. Uh, I thought going to be beast mode. Mm-hmm. Beast mode. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, what do we think, guys? What do you think, everybody? Think we're good? Yeah. All right. So good. Well, that's another episode of fucking Full Metal RPG. I'm Brent Carrion. Fucking find us on Instagram at Full Metal RPG. There's the Gmail, Full Metal, uh, Full Metal RPG Official at gmail.com. There's Facebook. I'm on there all the time during regular business hours. And then, uh, where? oh, yeah, Patreon. Go on Patreon. Find us there on Patreon uh, because we'll actually read your questions and shit online. And uh, don't go on Twitter because Twitter is an abattoir. Did I forget anything? Oh, of course, there's our Facebook. Not our Facebook. Our actual webpage, FullMetalRPG.com.
1: Uh, is there anything even better than uh, that? And uh, t- tinyurl.com slash Full Metal Discord.
2: Ah, oh, yeah. Check out our Discord because, uh, I mean, we keep getting more people. More people keep showing up. Yeah, it's up. awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually, there actually seems to be some momentum going on there. People are actually commenting on shit. It's pretty cool. It's popping. Yeah. It is. It is. Um. Yeah. Sick. Great. Well, hey, thank you, everybody. Ashley, thank you for coming down. Mm-hmm. Richard, thank you for making the Arizona Game Fair warehouse. Adam, thank you for joining us. Glad to be here. Brendan, thank you for being mildly coherent almost to the end. (laughs) Have a great night.